The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. As spiritual seekers, we often receive guidance on which path to follow. This might be necessary for some time, but as we move along, we need to trust our heart and become our own guide. Welcome to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us, a place where we can listen to everyone's heart. Your companion on the journey is Jill Asselin. Come join us now on this path of inner exploration. Here is your host, Jill Asselin. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Jill again with uh, nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us uh, thank you very much for being here uh, this is a kind of a kind of a special show in a sense in between uh, I call it an in-between show we had Altair brother Altair for about uh, two weeks is show number three and four I think which ended beautifully and then um, for the Next two weeks, I will have another guest. Uh, her name is Judith uh, Kuzel, a uh, very delightful woman uh, who is doing some uh, very interesting, um, intriguing work with uh, raising the consciousness, the level of consciousness on the planet. So I will be talking, I wanted to reflect uh, back a little bit about um, the shows with, um, with Altai, but also in maybe in the last segment, uh, share some information with you about Judith. And to begin with, um, I wanted to share a poem that I received um, last week, sometime last week in my mailbox. And it's a very short poem, but I think it deals very, very well with, uh, it fits very well with the purpose of the show, with uh, our spiritual journey. And it's called A Spiritual Journey by Wendell Berry. And it goes, And the world cannot be discovered by the journey of miles, no matter how long but only by a spiritual journey, a journey of one inch, very arduous and humbling and joyful, by which we arrive at the ground at our feet and learn to be at home. Wendell Berry. It's a very beautiful uh, poem, and I think it says it all. Um, A very arduous, humbling and joyful, and how can you put these three things together? Arduous, um, I can attest to that, and yet, I don't know, if I reflect on my own spelunking, there's peaks and valleys, and there's things that flow and things that do not seem to flow. I think I've, I've talked about those in the past few months, so I'm not going to go back there, but humbling suddenly, uh, humbling to the point that um, that you feel you have a duty to share your experience, because we are all connected, and that's the reason for us to to share heart to heart what we go through. It's certainly a process of uh, encouraging each other, but it's also a question of of building the glue. Uh, we talked about building unity consciousness with uh, Altair, and that's what it's all about. It's about our own human experience. 
in a body that looks fairly human on, on one level. I will be talking about different bodies when I, when I address the, the topic of health that I, I chose for today. And joyful, joyful, yes. I like the word joy much better than happiness. I think happiness is a very elusive uh, concept. And I think joy, you know, the emotion of joy coming from Disney's movie Inside Out, um, like joy being in charge. Uh, it's something that spreads. Happiness might be more, more personal in a sense. It's harder to spread happiness. I think it makes more sense to spread joy. Joy is a much more of a collective, um, collective emotion. So thank you. I think the path is really, the French word is summé, you know, um, it's made of so many different kinds of, of synchronicities. And I was reflecting after last week's show with uh, Altair about um, his meditation, the meditation that he taught, that I've heard and chanted earlier on, the gate, gate, paragate, parasangate, bodhiswaha, gate, gate, paragate, parasangate, bodhiswaha. It's a beautiful meditation, and the purpose, again, it's to, it's to open up the portal, to go into the beyond, into the, whatever the beyond means. Um, it's a, the way I understand it, it's a spiritual beyond, but it also, it's also a way to, to deepen our paths, our paths, and to lead us when we're supposed to go next. It doesn't have to be a place. It doesn't have to be an emotion. It has to be, it's a journey again. So that's what we are supposed to encounter next. And I'm saying this because I was practicing this meditation last week about the portal, about the idea of going beyond the portal. And using a metaphor, it's about going beyond into a different cave, in a different, different spelunking cave. And I've discovered some very amazing information about a, a small place in France uh, that I've been learning about for quite a while. But what I discovered last week was very, very new and very intriguing to me. Uh, the place is called Rennes-le-Château. Château means castle in France. And it's a very mystical place with a lot of mysteries. I'm not going to go into details today because it's not the purpose of my show. And uh, I think at some point I will... Um, I will use a full show. I will dedicate a full show to talking about this area of France, which is in the south. It's not very far from a fairly small town called Carcassonne, and also not too far from Toulouse and Montpellier. And so many things happen. In the first place, I think it was a, a village where um, Marie Magdalene lived after she traveled from uh, Israel or from Egypt. I don't know exactly where she came from. I heard different versions, but at least she came from the Middle East. And uh, there's a chapel there dedicated to Marie Magdalene. And there's lots of mysteries and treasures related to a priest. His name is, uh, last name is Saunier, who towards the end of the 19th century discovered something uh, that made him very wealthy. Something to do that he possibly um, sold. He sold a secret to the Roman church, the Church of Rome. And but that's besides the point. I think what I was... Looking, I read a book about Rennes le Chateau in the past three weeks. So I was very much into the mystery and I was very, I was getting very curious slash hungry for more because I thought my reaction about the book was the book got very factual and I couldn't send much spirit um, you know, into this book. 
And I thought maybe possibly these two guys, they were written by two authors, two French authors. And I thought to myself, possibly these guys are their hands tied and they can't really be open about what really went on. So I was there with my hunger that I share with some people. And last week, things opened up. Uh, someone sent me a link, a link to an audio file from a guy called William Henry, who is very deep into mystical things, mystical journeys, uh, explanations about, I don't know what, things I'm still not aware of. But there's one segment in his journey um, about Rennes le Chateau. And I read that and he started opening up different doors. And one of them was with a, a French researcher and a French author who was there on site. I don't know exactly where, but certainly not very far from Rennes le Chateau. And we started having a conversation and he's a very knowledgeable person. And, you know, from here to there, so many doors opened. And we started talking about a very famous painting also, which is part of the mystery, part of the riddle, uh, called uh, Le Berger d'Arcadie par Nicolas Poussin, The Shepherds of um, Arcadia, by Nicolas uh, Poussin. Poussin means, means chick in France. And so um, it was very interesting, you know, going from one place to the other and how one piece of information led to another one. And at the same time, I was somewhere stuck in between... Uh, you know, two different interpretations, and then I received some, something else from a friend of mine. So, so I was pretty, uh, pretty flawed, pretty amazed about how things work. And that made me think about, again, this notion of portal and this notion of opening up, opening up within. You know, there's a, there's a way to open up within. I don't know exactly how. It's not like I have a secret to share. But there's a saying that you may know, we say when the student is ready, the master shows up. And in this case, I'm very convinced that the master is within. It's the master within that articulates and, and act, actualizes, in a sense, and, and activates all these connections, all these mystical connections of people coming into your lives, into our lives, whenever we need them, whenever we need to do, you know, to do some more research in one way or another. And um, I was obviously very grateful. And it's, it's not, again, it's not the end of the story. So uh, this is what I wanted to share because it's very much, uh, to me, it's very much spelunking. And um, what may be there, you know, in this little village of uh, Rennes-le-Chateau is, is a special portal. There's a very enigmatic um, um, parchment, a long one, that was coded, and, and the French researcher I'm talking about was able to decode it along with some others. And towards the end of the parchment, the last two words are blue apples. Why would you talk about blue apples? And the interpretation or the explanation given by the two authors in the book that I read was that um, this, blue apple, this blue apples refer to uh, a piece of stained glass in a church, obviously, where um, Master Jesus comes to Lazarus' um, house in Bethany and resuscitates um, Lazarus from the dead. And it's a piece of information that has been with me for a while, that has been very meaningful, and that I encountered in different, um, in different ways, in different fashions earlier on. Not so long ago, I read about the Gospel of John. I think it's chapter 12, or chap I don't remember the name. And 
that very same chapter in the Gospel of John narrates, talks about the visit of Jesus of, uh, into the family of Bethany, into the family of Lazarus. And, and again, it's like a, you say in French, un faisceau d'éléments, like a stream of elements, of streams of information coming together to form something um, something meaningful. You can say also that you are assembling, I'm, I'm assembling the pieces of the puzzle. But um, again, I think it was too, too mystical for me to pass and not to share this with you because this kind of, of mystical being driven in a sense um, can happen in very many different places to very many different people for a multitude of purposes. So thank you again, uh, for listening, I mean, if you have any question or any insight about this little place of Rennes-le-Château, uh, some of you may, I mean, I would be very happy to hear from you. Again, my email is uh, seeking, seeking at nurturingthegift.org, seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Um, this is certainly not, not the end of my research, and I'm planning to, to deepen and to read some more into the topic. So if you have uh, more information, please, um, or some information that I don't have, uh, please feel free to, to share it with me. So the topic that I picked for today, I wanted to introduce the topic before talking about it in, in, in greater detail, is the topic of health. And, um, you know, I'm not a health specialist, that's one thing. Uh, and the way I look at health is, uh, is more for the different spiritual bodies that, that we have. Sorry, the different bodies that we have. And I keep hearing about the four bodies. Uh, obviously, the physical body. Then the emotional or the astral body. Then the mental body. And then finally, the spiritual body. And if I'm correct, the spiritual body encompasses all those three bodies. If you look at the vibration that each of us sends out, each of us emits, uh, it goes out, and obviously further out. Uh, my assumption is that the spiritual body can go further out than the emotional body, for instance. But all of these bodies you know, combine together. Uh, work together in a sense as a team towards our health. And so I wanted to share some about uh, my observations in terms of the, the physical, uh, the emotional, the mental, and the spiritual. The spiritual is, is very hard to put it in a, in a bag in a sense. I mean, it, it's, it's what it is. It's life. So I don't see it as, as you know, it's a soul journey, the spiritual body. To me, it's a soul journey. So how do you, how do you pinpoint the spiritual only? It's uh, providing you know, the other bodies are very healthy and aligned. Um, I know it, it has to work together like a team, like a team of emotions in, in Disney's movie. But um, everybody has a different function. But obviously, the physical, if the physical is not healthy, it's very difficult to function happily and healthily in, in life, I guess. So, 
again, each of, each of these bodies has a, has a different function. And uh, while after the break, I wanted to, to mention something how some people, at least in my recent observations, uh, treat their, their physical body. And um, in spiritual language, we tend to talk about the physical body as our temple. Maybe it's a physical temple in a sense of being built you know, from birth on with all what we uh, assimilate and ingest. But it's also a very, um, a very important foundation in our lives. If they want the spiritual to be healthy, you know, and we don't, have, we don't take good care of our physical bodies, I don't think we're going to go very far. I don't think it's going to be a very successful um, experience. So I will talk some more right after the break about um, this notion of the physical body and a bit more about the emotional, which I've addressed already, and, uh, and the mental. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Jill. Uh, thank you very much for listening uh, to this show. The topic being about health. I said health, spiritual, and other. And I mentioned these four bodies, the, the physical, the emotional, uh, the mental, and the spiritual, and it, when it comes to the physical bodies, you know, it's a very much a question of what do we ingest? You know, obviously, if we're into drugs or into alcohol, uh, something within us is going to suffer. And it could be also something emotional. A lot of people are drinking to forget, forget about something which has been uh, disastrous in their lives. But I have a very small example that I witnessed about a week or 10 days ago where we went to uh, a dinner in a restaurant nearby, a Cracker Barrel. And there was a family there with just, I was there with my family, but I was observing uh, four people at a table nearby. It was a family of four. There was a grandmother, 
then obviously a couple, I would say in their 40s, 50s, and then the couple's daughter. I would assume she was in her, in her 20s. And three of these people uh, were fairly overweight, fairly obese. And they had a good dinner. And then each of them had dessert, you know, with ice cream and whipped cream. And I thought to myself, you know, this is a good example of how we treat our body. This young woman, the daughter, was you know, amazingly, I don't know how to describe it, but from the waist up, she was fairly large. And um, it's something I can relate very well because I was also very large, quote-unquote large and obese when I was a child up until the age of uh, 15 when I spent a couple of days in a, in a hospital and I was um, given a very strict diet. I was being, quote-unquote, pampered by my grandmother at home for lunch. She was, she was taking, me, uh, taking care of me and she was picking me up at school. And she was feeding me for lunch and uh, lots of good things. I mean, my, my grandmother, she died many, many years ago. She was a very good cook. And uh, at the same time, she was very using a lot of uh, rich uh, you know, products, butter and oil and, 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 and fat. And so I was looking at this young woman and she, was a very, she had a very happy discussion with her family. But I was thinking about myself, you know, this is how we treat our bodies, if we're eating all this possibly unnecessary food, uh, what is going to happen to our body? The body will react and form you know, some extra layers and some extra layers that may hamper whatever we need to do in life, our progress or whatever. And, and I'm talking about the example of food because it's a very easy one. But again, what about drugs? What about whatever, you know, alcohol? And um, it's a very basic notion, I think, which starts early on with children. Right about the same time, I, we're also in a, in a, not a fast food, but a, a sandwich place. And um, there was also a young mother with two kids. And the first one was maybe 10 or 12 years old. And he was pretty, you know, pretty large. And I thought it's, it's very much part of our upbringing or call it education at home coming from our parents and grandparents how do we take care of our own temple and I think it's a question of um, the word that comes to mind is a question of not being negligent not being negligent because we're dealing with something sacred our bodies and if we don't take care of our bodies there will be a response and the, will, the body will express itself. And that's very much the same at every level. You know, there could be a, a physical response in the form of extra layers, in the form of, I don't know, lack of sleep, in the form of, I don't know, too much food is be vomiting, you know. I've had experiences too. And uh, there will be a response at the emotional level. There will be a response at the mental level when we don't treat these bodies fairly well. And um, again, that made me think about, I think it's primarily, primarily a question of awareness, education and awareness, you know, what the principles or the knowledge we inculcate to our children uh, is very important. 
and sometimes there's, you know, my grandmother was coming from a a place deep in the in the middle of France, then you know, they wouldn't see a doctor. They had to be almost bedridden to go call the doctor. Uh, if it's a small disease, you wouldn't do anything. You would just wait. And that might be right for some disease, but for some others, there's a need. The body is sending you a signal. Again, there's a physical message. And I think it's important that we attend to the message and that we respond appropriately, you know, sometimes giving medication, sometimes getting more exercise. Uh, you know, there's a very common disease these days called stress, um, which is a very interesting one. You know, this one affects, I think it's a very nice um, segue here, affects this discussion of stress. Stress affects many of our bodies, you know. I, I tend to be a little tired at this time. You know, there's a lot of things going on. It's very hot and humid in New Jersey. And I've noticed that I have a tendency of, of um, I don't sleep much as well because we are doing uh, nighttime training. So I tend to get up once at night and, and I'm more tired. And I, I notice the fact that my body tends to react in a certain way that I am adding a bit of weight. It's not much, but I can feel it. I can feel it in my body. I can feel it when I put up my pants, that's for sure. And, and there's something again about this uneasiness, about the fatigue. So taking care of ourselves when we are tired, when it's possible to take a nap, I think is a very important thing. It's a very important way to, to respond uh, to the message we are receiving. And getting back to this notion of stress, uh, you know, how does it affect the emotional? How does it affect the mental? And especially, how does it affect our surroundings? Um, I can think of, you know, in my case, of many of my reactions being under stress. And usually, I'm not a very happy person to deal with. And, uh, and that's my way to deal with stress. I get into more control possibly control my, controlling my own agenda for sure, something I'm supposed to be there to do. But to some extent also, possibly to a large extent, depending on who you talk to, controlling um, other people's agenda, especially our sons. Um, interestingly enough, yesterday he said, um, I made him go to the bathroom and I then gave him a, a quick shower and he was saying, uh, I'm not ready. And I... Honestly, I didn't pay attention. I thought it was time. There was no stress involved at this point. At this point. And yet, you know, so stress or feeling some kind of a burden uh, in the first place shuts out our listening um, capacity, our listening abilities, and, and sends a very, a very clear message to our environment. So I think that's why it's trying to, to aim for balance, you know, balance in life whenever we can. Um, having some downtime also I think is very important. Um, and dealing with the emotional, I guess uh, when it comes to the emotional and what we feel, um, to me it has to, be, it has to do with being honest. 
honest with how we feel and not trying to pretend. I think it's fairly easy to fool uh, people in our environment and saying, yes, I'm doing great. Yes, I'm doing uh, wonderful today. But deep down inside, we know what's going on. And there's no way that I think we can fool ourselves. Or if we fool ourselves, it means we want really to look outside and not pay attention to what goes on within. And this is not going to solve just about anything. And in the mental arena, when I look at the notion of the mental body, it's obviously what comes or what reacts in our minds, you know, what goes through our minds, what filters through our minds. Um, I've been talking about this quite a bit already uh, in the past few shows. And um, it's not always easy to, to control our thoughts. I think it's one thing to not express our thoughts with words. But yet what goes through our mind is much more... It's much more difficult to control. And here also, I think it's a question of of feeding ourselves. What do we feed ourselves with? What do we read? What do we listen to? What kind of uh, series do we watch on TV if we watch anything? Uh, This is, you know, this is mental food. And when I go to the supermarkets, there are so many tabloids. Um, lately, I think two days ago in the supermarket, I think on the cover of People, was the, the young royal family in England uh, showing their, I think they have a son, George, and a, and a baby girl whose name escapes me. And my reaction, you know, well, who needs to know about these people? They have a life of their own that they, they seem to enjoy. So, uh, I think a lot also is a question of facade, and that's not my business. But um, why would they need to expose that or to expose their facade to the world? You know, on both sides, I'm, I'm questioning here the way I question this young lady having dessert with ice cream and, and whipped cream. You know, what purpose does it serve for a young royal family to talk about their own situation? Are they trying to portray the ideal, you know, the ideal family, the loving family, with big smiles on their face. And again, we don't, we don't know what's going on when they are behind closed doors. And again, it goes both ways, you know. What goes on coming from their point of view and what we absorbed. Why is it that some people are into these kinds of tabloids or these kind of TV series that uh, are called sitcoms? that to me do not bring any value to life. You know, what are you searching in life when you read those newspapers? It may sound basic to you and maybe none of you in in here today has ever read a tabloid. But again, I'm looking at the kind of food we are ingesting. And in this kind, it's the kind of mental food too. Are we trying to live our lives 
in some other people's shoes because we think that their life is so much greater. When again, we know it's not even the surface of the iceberg. Maybe we know 1% of what they go through. And what about the 99%? What about all the skirmishes? All the drama? I mean, obviously there was a lady, Diana, in the picture 20 or 30 years ago. And she had a very hard time in the house of England. So again, it's, it's my questioning about how do we want to feed ourselves? How do we want to nourish ourselves? You know, are we ready to take a walk in the forest to do some hiking? To go visit some people and have a heart-to-heart dialogue in order to better understand where they come from or in order to support them if they need support? There's a flow of, you know, there's a flow of heart-to-heart. I'm using my hand here to try to... Um, Describe that as like a flow. It's a flow of love. It's a flow of vibration. It's also nourishment, you know, between people. And why not doing this instead of looking outside for some kind of a miraculous life that is supposed to bring the so-called happiness? And the point also it brings to mind is this notion of emptiness. You know, why don't we look inside our own lives to see what is missing instead of trying to go out and try to fill our lives with what happens again on the surface in other people's lives? To me, it's, it's common sense, but uh, I'm sure it's not common sense to all because these tabloids sell very well. And TV sells very well as well. I'm so amazed how much TV there is these days. I mean, at least in the US, TV is everywhere. It's simply intoxicating. We went to a a birthday party not so long ago, a four-year-old boy, and we went into a bowling alley. So there were all the alleys that we were facing, and there were four giant screens. In this case, I was fortunate because I could watch a, a soccer game. There was a, the Soccer World Cup, the Women's Soccer World Cup. And I think there was a game between Japan and Australia at the time. So, yes, I was somewhat happy. But why do we need those giant screens in front of us to show us things that take us away from who we are and take us away as well from the real activity of doing bowling and connecting with our friends? To me, it's, it's total nonsense. And even worse, to use judgment, we went into a room to share some you know, birthday cake and pizza. And in that room again, there was a table with all the kids sitting around and there was a TV on the wall. And obviously the kids were glued to the TV. What's the point? What's the point except poisoning people's minds? and poisoning our children's mind from very early on. And this is, again, this is very criminal. This is very intoxicating. I don't think our children, the children of this new era, deserve this kind of treatment. Deserve, you know, this addiction to a box, 
a box that has so little to do with who we are, that has so little to do with how we feel within, which has so little to do with our spelunking, our search for truth, for our own unique truth on a personal level. And so I'm asking these questions and I hope that one day, you know, awareness will come and some people will realize at a mega level, you know, um, what we are doing and how we are going. There's so many things to change in our world. And I think it only takes uh, only a moment of awareness, a moment of consciousness where we are not driven by the media or not driven by corporate greed are not driven by our own interests. But instead, we look around and look for someone with, with whom we could build some more unity consciousness, some more oneness. And I think I will end this segment here with this reflection about the way society um, tricks us the way society poisons us. And again, it takes awareness. And our children are very much in danger because they don't have the level of awareness growing up, four, five years old, 10 years old, teenagers. They don't have the level of awareness or the filters that are required to judge this kind of information, this kind of uh, intimidation or this kind of manipulation. I think that's the way I want to put it. So thank you very much. I will see you soon. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us with Jill Asselin. To reach the program, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to seeking at nurturingthegift.org. Now, back to the program. Hello again. This is Jill. 
nurturing the spiritual spelunker in all of us. Thank you very much for listening and being there today. I was talking a little bit about um, how our minds, especially the young minds, get intoxicated. And it has a lot to do with the kind of society we live in. And this kind of society needs transformation. And I think it, it is coming, but not at the same pace in all areas. And there's one point I wanted to reflect. It's one of my favorite um, topic, in a sense. And it also gave me a way to, to tie this up with um, my next guest, uh, Judith Kuzel. She's a very aware, conscious being. And one of the topics of interest is, um, is the divine feminine. And it's something that I've been sensing um, coming. I mean, I've been reading about it. I don't know to what extent it is coming. I, I'm talking about everyday life, you know, when I look around, I guess. And that's why I want to go into an example, um, talking about the masculine, the divide between the masculine and the feminine, a very down-to-earth example with our daycare, the son's daycare. And uh, Judy will take it to a much higher level, a much more cosmic level. That's the way, that's where she works. And, and I think the way she sees herself as a missionary, in a sense, is to raise the level of consciousness on the planet. And she does that by being in touch with people. She does soul readings. And uh, in order to do those soul readings, obviously she gets in touch with people visually, but she taps what she calls the, the, the super consciousness. A lot of energy field, I mean, she will tell you more about that. She will tell you also how she came into this kind of work. I mean, it didn't just come like this, flapping your fingers. Uh, it's not like she was prepared. I mean, she was spiritually prepared. But there were events in her life that, you know, put an end to what she was doing and then opened up. I was talking about opening up portals, inner portals uh, in, in the first segment. And that's what happened to her. And at the same time, you know, the portal had a, an equivalent or a reflection into her day-to-day -day life. So she started doing different things. And the same with me. You know, I was been saying that I've been working in the field of cross-cultural relations for a long time. And I see myself going a different path. So something is opening up. Something is, is inviting me in a sense. And possibly something is inviting us. So she will be talking, I don't know to what extent she will be talking about the divide, the divide between the masculine and the feminine. We've been ruled by that, um, by that masculine energy for a very long time, at least since the beginning of the age of pieces which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, started with the, the coming of the Christ, the coming of Jesus Christ. I think before was the age of Arius. They, they all follow uh, an astrological uh, sequence. And I think that you would agree that the past 2,000 years was a, a pretty dark age. And we are slowly coming out of this age, thanks to lots of people that are leading the way in many different fields. People like Judith. But how does this manifest? How does this um, realize itself at the, at the very practical level? 
And I hope things are changing, changing by each of us, you know, going more into the feminine. And the feminine is like the qualities of the feminine is more, are more into um, the relationship, the nurturing, you know, the way we talk to a child. I suppose, I think I discussed that quite lengthily, uh, as opposed to the achievement, as opposed to the rules, as opposed to the agenda. What I was talking when I, you know, when I'm under stress and I'm controlling people, I'm going into my masculine side, which is quite there. I nurtured that masculine side when I was working in financial auditing. And it gave me a very good background for life. I'm able to do a lot of things in terms of planning, in terms of financial planning and other kind of planning. And I'm very grateful for that. But it's not only who I am. And I'm also, I think, the way the universe is going, I'm also progressing towards that, you know, a, a bigger feminine within growing up. And the example I wanted to mention is, um, again, our son's daycare. Our son was in a daycare until the middle of June and the daycare closed. I mentioned that quite a few times. That was it. It was a very sad, a sad event. And the last few months were not very pleasant. The amount of learning wasn't very great. And yet there was some closure. There was some, like everywhere, there's some good points and not so good points. And starting June 15, he went into, is going now to a different daycare. And we had a very good impression of that daycare when we came visit because it was very neat. It was so very new. The building is only one year old. And the other side of it is that it's, it's run very efficiently. And that's where all this masculine energy comes into place or comes into the picture. And since it's been there now, it's been a month, a month and, and, and a week, we noticed how much more efficient this new daycare is. And getting to know the people, especially the people who are ruling the sh- running the show, uh, the owners of the daycare, they are coming and they are coming from a, a business background. And I can tell that one person is very masculine. They are only women. That, that is one similarity between the two daycares. Everyone there, the teaching level at the management level is a woman. And, and to me, it's a paradox. I understand the reason why. I mean, you're afraid of pedophilia. It's a, it's a very good reason. At the same time, I think so many men with feminine tendencies, not female, feminine tendencies and feminine energy could do so well to balance the environment. That's what I was, you know, going into my, my spiel about health. We need to reach a state of balance. So in this case, I don't see much of a balance if everyone in the daycare all of the staff is a female. And yet I understand the reason behind it. But this is not the way the world is. You know, our children are exposed to lots of good and nice women, young and, and experienced and everything. And we are happy that he's learning quite a bit. But at the same time, it gives you, it gives them a very biased way of the way the world works. And again, some women are also a very strong masculine tendency. And looking back, that's what we thought about the teacher that he had in the first daycare. The woman was very, very organized. 
Um, very good, lot of experience, 19 years in the daycare. Um, and we couldn't see so much, we couldn't feel so much uh, uh, feminine tendencies. And now a different, a different culture, I think that's what it is, you know, the masculine and the, and the feminine tendency, they are part of the culture of the organization. And because of the way this new daycare is run, I could sense much more, I could, yeah, I could sense much more masculine energies. It's much more present once you step into the building, which is much more into technology. Every night we receive the report through email, a standard report, which is nice. But we got used to having little notes in our son's basket. And these little notes no longer exist. There's no... It's a question, how do you want to look at it? But there, to me, there's no more human communication, heart-to-heart communication. Well, the writing is very important. The talking is very important. The writing as well is very important. When you write, it's a bit of who you are that you express. And um, personally, that's what I'm missing, you know? We have only a one or two-minute interaction in the morning with a teacher. In the evening, it's a different person. And so all of this makes it, makes it less feminine. There's much less human interaction. There's much more technology. There's much more efficiency. There's much more of an impression that things are well-oiled. At the same time, there's not such a sense of community. In the other daycare, there was a good group of parents getting together. There was at least twice a year meetings for the parents and a lot of birthday parties as well. In here, it's very different. There is very little connection, very little communication between parents. Just a couple of words sometimes in the evening when you come pick him up. But it's something is really lacking. And again, I understand both perspectives. But my point, my point is still about balance. How can we balance both sides and get a society that gives the feminine its needed space? Because in a world that has been run for so long by masculine energy, so many of our structures, so many of our habits, so many of our ways of doing, even our ways of being, I think so many of those are what I would call archaic. They are no longer appropriate for the age we are moving into, for the age of the divine feminine, for the age of relationship, for the age of coming together, for the age of building unity consciousness, for the age of corporations beyond borders, even to me the notion of nation-state it's ridiculous, especially when it comes to sports. Why do we have to compete against each other? Why can't each human being give her best or his best in just about every competition, regardless of where she was born or he become naturalized with? To me, it's this concept of borders belongs to the past, belongs to the age of pieces. And we need to go beyond that. There's plenty of people that are global in their mind, global citizens, global brothers and sisters. 
And we need more of them. We need people to weave, to weave this kind of new world, to weave this kind of new story that takes us to a more universal level where everybody is acknowledged for the quality of their heart. In an age of the feminine, this is the heart that is being acknowledged. This is the heart that makes a difference. It's not so much the mind. We've been relying on the mind for so many eons, for so many centuries and millennia. And we see where it has taken us up to a point, up to a point of very advanced technological society. But up to a point also where kids are being brainwashed through TV. And here I'm just closing the loop. I'm closing the loop and I'm inviting you to join us next week when uh, Judy talks about her own experience of moving into that divine feminine, honoring this, uh, this kind of divine feminine in her own life, but also on a more, on a more planetary level. So I wish you a good week. And I look forward to seeing you next week along with Judith Kuzel. Thank you very much. And have a great week. Goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Nurturing the Spiritual Spelunker in All of Us. Your personal journey, assisted by your guide and companion, Giel Asselin, will continue next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be sure to tune in again. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.